0: Good morning, my name's Wendy and I'll be bringing you the second Bible reading which we'll find in the New Testament in the Gospel of John. So please turn with me as we turn to chapter 12 and we're going to be starting at verse 37. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfil the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and has deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that this, his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This is the word of the Lord.
1: We are continuing our series in our study in the Gospel of John and we'll pick up where we finished off on Sunday. And As we consider this, let's pray to God once again that he might help us see why is it from this passage that it is indeed Good Friday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we consider the first Easter, what Jesus came to do and what was expected of him, We pray, Lord, that you will move our hearts to see how wonderful it was and why it is indeed Good Friday. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there is a time for everything in life, a season for every activity under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to tear down and a time to build up a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to embrace and a time to refrain a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace and we might even add to that a time to wash your hands and a time to sanitize a time to wear your mask and a time to take it off a time to stay at home and a time to leave the house Now, if you're familiar with that language, it comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, apart from those last few, of course. But in this book, the author, he considers all that is happening in the world. He he throws up his arm and he says, it is all meaningless. It is all chasing after the wind. You, You just can't grab hold on to it. And I wonder whether your life now might feel a little bit like that. Whatever we try to grab hold on to, we just can't hold on to it. Whether it might be our jobs or our super. Perhaps some of you are avoiding looking at your super at the moment. Or just stuff. And hopefully by now, none of you are worried about toilet paper anymore. Or whether it is trying to grab hold on to that sense of security, stability, safety and peace. But you see, with all the flux and changes of Everything around us, our relationships, our physical contact, our work, our family life, shopping, medical care, schools, you name it. Even with order flux and changes, there is meaning. It's not all meaningless because of what today represents. Because of what today represents in the purposes of God for you and for me. For it is Good Friday. And even if it is the very first time you've heard about Easter, it is for you too. And that is the focus of our passage today. Because what do we see? Well, let me encourage you. Hopefully you've got your Bibles at home. Because what we find here is that the very center of God's eternal purpose for the world, for his son Jesus Christ, and for us, what we see here, and it's described As the time of glory. Now, what does the word glory mean? Well, the word glory means important, significant, it's weighty, it's heavy. It's like you see the sun rise and you think this is glorious. Or on the wedding day you see the bride and she just looks glorious. Or up in the Swiss Alps and you see the snow-capped mountain ranges and you think glorious but here what we see here is not merely our opinion of what is glorious but God's opinion and what God thinks and God is in a sense in this passage he's focusing the whole of human history and our attention upon this time upon this moment it's like God is shining a spotlight and says this is the time of glory now you see, throughout the Gospel of John, we've been hearing the language of glory over and over again. In in John chapter 1, right at the beginning, verse 14, we, we read, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And throughout, throughout the Gospel of John, the, the authorities, they tried to seize him, arrest him on, on several occasions. But we're told that his time had not yet come. You see, that hour of glory was always in the future, and we've just been waiting and waiting. But now that time has finally come. That wait is over. The hour of glory, the hour of waitiness has arrived. Do you see that? Look at verse 23 with me. Verse 23. The hour has come. For the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, Jesus here, he calls himself the Son of Man. And that's not because Jesus was confused about his identity, nor was it because he likes to speak of himself in the third person. No, you see, the Son of Man is a title, it's a title for the one who will be entrusted by God with all the power and authority over the entire universe. And that time has now arrived for Jesus to be glorified and you see it was the coming in of the Greeks and Gentiles who were searching for Jesus they were not the people of God but they're coming in and that triggered the dawning of that hour and you see God is here now placing in his son on his son the single focus of the entire world but now what is this glory what's so special and weighty about this moment Well, Jesus explains it. And he speaks about what will happen to him on Good Friday. It's still five days away from when he was saying this. But Jesus here is making an extraordinary, an unexpected claim. And that claim is that the time of his glory is the time of his death. The time of his glory is the time of him dying. It's just so bizarre so strange how can dying be glorious but it tells us why using a farming illustration it's it's a simple principle but it's the principle of all of life you see something had to die for there to be life it just makes sense you see for those of you and me here for those of us who love steak we know where steak comes from, don't we? Just the other week I asked my kids, do you know where steak comes from? And one of my boys, he said, well, the butchers. My daughter Esther, she said, Woolies. But then I asked, well, where does the meat come from? And they finally said, well, it came from the cow. You see, some poor cow had to die for me to enjoy steak, for you to enjoy steak now for those of us who like to stay away from the meat and just eat the green stuff you know lettuce and cabbage I remember still one time Yvonne asked me to go out to pick up some lettuce I came back with cabbage I can't tell the difference but anyway those of you those of us who only want to eat vegetables well that poor plant had to die as well you see we can only survive because something died And that is the point Jesus was making. He had to die for humanity to live. And that's what we see. Look at verse 24. Verse 24. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it does, it produces many seeds. You see, unless the seed falls to the ground, goes into the dirt, it won't germinate, it won't produce life. Even with you know, the terrible bushfires that we, we experienced only a couple months ago in Australia all around. It was terrible and many of our country towns are still feeling its effects. But already in parts of Victoria that was ravaged by those bushfires, there are already signs of regrowth. You you see, with the banksias, the ones with the cones, it is the heat of the bushfires, uh, the heat of fire that triggers the release of seeds. And with the bush peas and wattles, their hard-coated seeds are cracked by fire, and then only a little bit of rain, and there will be mass germination. But of course, what do I know about plants anyway? I learned that off Google. But that's the principle, isn't it? It's the principle of life. Something had to die. And when it dies, the fruits can be countless. Just like an apple, for example. Do, do you know how many seeds there are in an apple? Or you can just cut one open, eat it, and count the seeds. And In fact, that's what I did. I asked my daughter Esther, Can you eat an apple? Count how many seeds there are. And she did, and she counted eight. Eight seeds in that apple. If one seed can grow into an apple tree, which can produce 300 apples in a season. It means then that that one apple tree each season produces about 2,400 seeds, which can then go on producing 720,000 apples. And I wonder why one preacher once said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple. But only God can count the number of apples in a seed. And so it is that principle Jesus was speaking of. Unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it does, it it produces many seeds. It is the principle of life. And that is why the time of glory is the time of dying. And so Jesus... He came to die so that by his death he might give life. But we can never forget that that was not easy. And here in this passage we're given a little glimpse of how difficult it was for Jesus. Look at how troubled he was in his prayer. You see when the eternal son was praying to the eternal father. Look at verses 27 to 28 with me. We read, Now my heart is troubled. I mean, even that should surprise us. Because in the life of Jesus so far, nothing faced him at all. The, the sick, the dead, even demons, not a concern. Very easy piece of cake, fix that easily. But when it comes to this point, when he was about to bear upon himself the, the sins of the world and the judgment of God for those sins, you can see why he was troubled. And so again, verse 27, now my heart is troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour that is this hour of dying this hour of glory but then we read on no it was for this very reason I came to this hour father glorify your name you see it is in the dying of the son it produces many seeds The Father is glorified because that was how God will save the world. But it wasn't easy. But it was necessary. There was no other way about it. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there will be no new life. And if anything, what that should highlight to us, what that should remind to us, What that should bring to our attention is the severity of human sin and our rebellion against God, the problem of the human heart. Now some of us might be thinking, well, I'm not that bad. But what did so many people do so instinctively only a few weeks ago? Well, so many went around hoarding toilet paper. One of my friends up in Queensland, he's a pastor in a small town. They ran out of toilet paper in that town. In fact, they also ran out of guns in that town for some reason. But you watch the news and you see people fighting over toilet paper, buying up as much supplies and food as they can. What do you think that shows? Well, that there is human sin panic buying was a symptom of a a spiritual heart disease that says I am number one I must look after myself and so on Good Friday when Jesus was hoisted up on the cross it, it wasn't just humanity judging the son of God and we grossly misjudged him but it was God's judgment upon the world because when you look at the cross we're meant to see and remember that was what our sins deserved that's how much our sins cost but it all fell upon the Son, and we see this look at verses 31 to 33 now 31 now is the time for judgment on this world Now the prince of this world will be driven out, that is, the evil one. He will be defeated. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. You see, when Jesus was lifted up, we we can't forget that was his time of glory. You see, the glory and the greatness of Christ It's never seen more clearly and more powerfully than when he was powerlessly hoisted up that Roman cross. It wasn't easy at all, but it was necessary. Now the time of glory is the time of dying of the Son of Man, but it was also the time for us to live. You see, the principle... For Jesus to give life as that kernel of wheat forced to the ground is the same principle for us to have life. And we're talking here about eternal life. Life beyond the grave. Life in heaven as our eternal home. Just last week I was uh, called quite urgently to visit a patient who was in palliative care. and The daughter, she, she she was concerned for her father and desperate that her father would hear the gospel once again. And that is because there is a life beyond the grave. There is a heaven. There is a life that Jesus offers. And unless the seed falls and dies, it will produce nothing. And unless we follow Jesus into the dirt, as one preacher puts it, as we follow Jesus into the dirt, we will have no life. And so you see in verses 25 to 26, Verse 25, the man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life, that is hate in contrast to love, that is I am not number one. Uh, Unless he hates his life in this world, will keep it for eternal life. And whoever serves him must follow me, that is to follow me into the dirt. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. You see, it's just simple accounting. But it is turning the way of our world upside down. The way, the way up is down. To be first is to be last. To live is to die. And I am dying to myself. My own ambitions, my own desires, my own will, my own way. And if I try to grab, hold on to my life and try to save my life by myself... I will lose it. But if I die to myself, and I follow Jesus, and I live for the one who died for me, I find it. I live. And if you can understand that, you'll understand why Christians would do what they do. You see, the pandemic we're experiencing at the moment, it is serious. But it's certainly not the fa- first pandemic to have swept across the world. When you hear stories of, of how careless some people have been only a few weeks ago, Bondi Beach or St Kilda Beach or even down at Mornington, just filled with people even after the, the government gave some social distancing restrictions. But let me ask you, what was the principle at work there when people went off to the beach? Well, the principle at work was, I live for myself. I save myself, I do as I please. But but now listen to another story of those who understood that dying is the way to live because they knew what Jesus did, that Jesus died for them. In 1665, the bubonic plague reached a small English town of Eam, a small town in the English country of Derbyshire. There were only 350 people who lived in that town and when the plague hit them, it was devastating. Many of them died very quickly. Now, what would you do if you were living in that town? Go to the beach like so many today? Well, anyone would just consider fleeing the town. But you see, in that town, there were two ministers. One who just finished his work and one starting up, Thomas Stanley, a Puritan minister, and another guy by the name of William Monpesson. Anglican minister and what eventually happened was that they worked together and they urged the people in their town the people who were sitting under their ministry and and under their teaching they were urged not to leave the town why because you see if they left the town they would spread the virus to the neighboring towns and so what they did was they tried to manage the disease within the town And so the neighbouring towns around them, they left supplies for them, not at their front door, but at the edge of their town. And what they did in that town, they they self-imposed a quarantine in an act of self-sacrifice. They were like the kernel of wheat, following Jesus, falling to the ground and dying. And in the end, a lady by the name of Elizabeth Hancock, she buried her husband and six children in a field. Mon Pesson, the minister, he lost his wife. Three quarters of the ems resident had died. 260 people died. But the plague was contained. Now why were they willing to do that? You see, this town who have been sitting under the ministry, under the teaching of the gospel of these two ministers, why were they willing to do that? was it not because they already knew the one, Jesus Christ, who died for them on that gruesome cross on Good Friday, so that they now, for the sake of others, like the kernel of wheat that falls to the ground and dies, they follow Jesus' footsteps, even without the fear of death. Because you see, what we see in this passage, he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so, there is a time for everything. But today on Good Friday, it is the time to live. By dying to ourselves and to trust wholly, utterly, completely on Jesus Christ, we live. And so let me ask you, have you lived? Have you taken hold of all that Jesus went to the cross for? And if you haven't, let me urge you, get in touch with us because we want you to live. Get in touch with us. But for those of you who have already, well, isn't that what we remember and celebrate today? That Jesus, like the kernel of wheat, fell to the ground and died so that we can live. Amen.